for once in a lifetime. You need to never stop improving. The constant focus on individual growth. How will you be financially free? Welcome to the Empower Podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to another Empower Podcast. This week, we have the Denton Belknap on here. Denton, how are you? I am excellent. How are you doing, Jake? Thanks so much for having me on. Dude, of course. I'm stoked to have you here. Denton, obviously, you and I, we've known each other for a few years and for a while, but I'm really excited to get to know you more in depth and hear some of your experiences like we already talked about. I think that uh, a lot of reps at our company probably don't know you just because you're a little bit newer here. You're your first year rep at Empower, but you've been in door to door for years, right? How many years have you done door to door? Yeah, I've actually been in, this is like my fourth, like, I guess, year or time of doing door to door sales. Wow. So um, I got fourth summer, fourth yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm not like new to it, but I'm still like learning some stuff every single day about how to, how to get better and become a better rep and more efficient and for sure for sure well i'm excited to have you on dude i feel like there's so much that you can teach us and help us about and the empower podcast is all about empowering our reps empowering our employees making sure everyone has the help they need and i think who better to do that than someone who's been in door-to-door for years experienced different things as well as as a first year rep at empower so it's still fresh in your mind the learning curve solar curve the solar coaster like all that's still fresh whereas for some of us like for me it's been a few years since my first year selling solar and so i don't remember the details as much so i'm super excited to hear from you today but before we jump into that i just want to hear about your background and i want everyone to know who you are where you're from etc um so i actually grew up in idaho in richburg idaho my mom um, i actually grew up like right back to byu my mom works at the school so it's kind of been part of our growing up, I guess. Um, I played sports in high school. I um, I just grew up working a lot, um, trying to, um, I guess, provide for myself. And then I went on a mission to Dallas, and I actually served in the same mission as uh, Hayden Richards. Oh, wow. Um, so, mm-hmm. And then Sean Thatcher also served that mission, right? Yeah, yeah, me and Sean are actually companions. Dang, that's wild. I think we I think we've had Sean and Hayden both on the podcast this year, so we're almost getting yeah. that whole mission on the podcast. Yeah, that's for sure. That's super cool. So you grew up in Idaho, super small town there. Is that So were you in Rexburg? Is that where you're from? No, I just grew up north of town out in Salem. I went to a little school called Sugar Salem outside of town a little bit. So not like in Rexburg, but not like way out in the middle of nowhere. Dude, what was the size of your town? Like, how many kids went to your high school, and like, what was the size of your hometown? Uh, there's like a hundred kids in each grade. There's like four thousand, five thousand people in the little town. Dang, dude! I want you to know that in my high school, there was about a thousand people in each grade, about four thousand people in the high school. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that's like as many in the whole school. That's insane. So the difference is huge. So you're from a small town in Idaho. Your mom worked at BYU Idaho right yeah and then is your dad in the picture is he around yeah my dad does construction oh cool so you said you grew up working what jobs were you doing in idaho um i grew up helping my dad quite a bit he he used to build a lot of fence a lot of vinyl fence um he does he owns a he built a bunch of houses does a lot of spec homes and things um but then i i actually started training horses 
and shooting horses a bunch. So I, I really got into that in high school, and that's what I wanted to do when I grew up was just live the cowboy way, you know. And then it just twenty thousand bucks a year just wasn't quite enough to Dang. make ends meet. So I just I got off my mission that completely changed. So I just <laughs> I did a little bit different. Dang, dude. See, that's why I love these podcasts because I didn't know that. I've talked to you a bunch of times, but I had no idea that. So you grew up doing construction and doing housing stuff with your dad, but in high school, on mm-hmm. horses and wanted to be a cowboy. I never would have guessed. Yeah, I just, I just, I mean, I've always grown up, like, I just cowboyed every summer growing up, and then I just, I connected with a guy here where I grew up, and we just started, I mean, I was training, I don't know, five or six horses at a time all year, and then shoeing a bunch as well. So it's, it's fun, but it's just, you just can't. Can't make the money. Can't get anywhere with it. Yeah. Dang, I think. It's got to be a hobby. For sure. It's interesting that you are in like a polar opposite industry now of sales. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that could not be more different. I mean, most cowboys, small town guys that I know at least, they like a little quieter life, keep to themselves, a little shyer usually type of thing. And door to door sales is the opposite of all of that. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. Dang, that's wild. So you went on the mission, and that's where it changed for you. When you went to Texas, you, you realized, man, when I get home, I might need to make some more money or try a little harder kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. I just, I just felt like I, I was worth more than that because I can do that for fun, but I just felt like I was worth more than – because I grew up like – I mean, my parents, didn't, they, like, they weren't poor, but they never paid for anything for me. I had to pay for everything growing up, and that kind of – I think it's just stuck in my mind that I, I missed out on a lot of stuff growing up because I didn't – have enough finances. Like I think I couldn't go on my senior trip. I couldn't go to ski school. I was so worried about money. I didn't want to. Like I just stopped playing basketball when I was a sophomore, junior in high school because I was so worried about working. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I just hated that feeling of not having enough and not have to worry about finances. I guess. Dang. So that it, it, it kind of just changed where I, I felt like I was worth more than just working all the time. I'm sure, and I'm sure a big why for you is to give your kids some of those things that you maybe didn't have. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'll, like I'll definitely want to teach them how to work and and um, be good at that stuff, but definitely give them opportunity and have the opportunity to make some sort of good decisions financially to help them be able to do those certain things. No, for that I sure. Out on, but make sure they have. Yeah, that's a big trip. Yeah, for sure. No, that makes sense. And Denton, I always hear from everybody that Denton is the hardest worker. He goes after it, works every day, and so you can definitely tell your background comes from a place where you did have to kind of be scrappy and make your own way and work hard and really use your time wisely and so I think that's what makes you such a good rep at our company and in the past and you got home from your mission when you got home did you do summer sales your first year or yeah so that's kind of a funny situation so when I got home from my mission I I went uh, right into school so I got home in August and I went right into school and then I got a job at this place that's called Rexford Motorsports um, it, they like buy and sell like snowmobiles, dirt bikes, side by sides, um, CDs and things like that. Yeah. But they also have like a, a, a department that's actually where they fix the machines. And I got a job to bring the machines in and out of the shop to clean the shop, kind of be like I don't know their servant. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was pretty fun because I because I, I like I love driving snowmobiles. I love. I mean, that's what I do all winter long. I love riding snowmobiles. So that was kind of like a cool environment for, for me to be in. But I just got so frustrated because guys around me that literally that's going to be their job for the rest of the year. They, I mean, they're very like, I mean, 
I don't want to be rude, but they're like very like unkept. They're just, I guess, not very professional guys. They, I mean, they want to work on bikes the rest of their life. They just, and they didn't work. They didn't, like there was four of us and I'm the only one who really did anything. I'm the one that cleaned the shop. I'm the one who actually was on top of everything. I felt like, and they would just sit there and BS with the, with the guys who fixed the machines and, and they got paid more than me mm-hmm. because they'd been there longer. And that just kind of turned me sideways. Like what in the world? Why am I doing this? You know? So I just felt like I was worth more than just 13 bucks an hour because they were working half as much and still making more than me. So right after that, that like that winter when I got back, I did that. And then I jumped, I went right into the door door sales that next spring in um, May or April, whenever the, they go out. And I did pest control my first year. So Wow. So you got into pest control. You felt like you were not getting paid for working hard. You want to get out of that situation, out of that scene. And so when you jumped into pest control your first year, was it hard? Was it easy? Do you remember that first few weeks of selling door to door? Um, yeah, I do. Actually, it was, it's, it's kind of weird because I like, it takes me a second to learn something, but when I learn it, I can pick it up and actually like go with it. it but it just takes me a bit of time to learn it. So I had a, I like recruited my brother, Zach, which is, he's actually out here in California with us, but he came out before his mission and one other friend and then we went and did pest. And I mean, I did, I did okay. I, I kind of wheeled and dealed with the company. I went back and forth with <laughs> different pest companies. So I mean, like I, I can definitely try to get a good deal that way, but going in the door to door, it's kind of nerve wracking at first, but once you get going, it's like, you don't even think about what to say anymore. Cause you've done it so many, like so much. So for me, I mean, I just feel like it, like if I worked hard and not just set on the curve or um, not work the hours, I, then I would do well, and I did. I mean, I wasn't the most talented in the office, but I, I did well because I, I, I worked really hard to, to reach certain goals. For and sure. I, I, that's another big reason is because I had goals that I wanted to hit, and I was going to do everything I could to, to get those Dang. goals. So you did that first year of door-to-door. You sold Pest Control. What company was that for when you were selling Pest Control? Uh, it was Hawk Services. Hawk Services. And then your yep, second year, you came back from doing door-to-door all summer, and you did pretty well. I remember hearing about it from Sean and some stuff like that. And you did pretty well. You came back, but you decided to switch over to security the next year. Is that right? Or was was um, it two years of no. past? Yeah, so I, I came back. I was so, like, I'm not working on door-to-door sales for four months. I just I actually drove tractor all fall, that whole fall, for, like, 200 hour weeks. That's another reason why I had to do door-to-door sales because – you can work 200 hours in one or 200 hours in two weeks. I, I can make more in one day selling pests than I would driving tractor for two weeks. Yeah. Crazy. So I did that. And then I, uh, I, I recruited like, I don't know, like 10 people and we went out and did Hawks again the next year in San Antonio, same office that we were in before. And we did pretty well. I think we put up like 16 or 700 accounts with nine of us at the end of the summer. So did that and then I switched over to security the next year. Okay, so two years have passed, both with Hawks, same company. First year just a regular rookie, second year ran a team there. Then the next year, that's when you jumped over to Vivint and did security for a summer. Yeah, yeah, our whole group, like our whole region of the pest company actually kind of jumped ship and went to to, to do security just because I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> just, the way, just the way it turned yeah. out. And that year I was security, just following my friends. No, I know how that is. And that year security was good, but it wasn't exactly what you were looking for. And I'm curious, how did the transition go from you were selling security 
to now you're selling solar with us at Empower? Um, it was it was it was good. So when I sell in past, Sean Thatcher, he sell, he sold on my team my, my second year. He always talked about solar. I was like, dude, that's too much. It takes too long to learn. It takes too, it's too this. You you can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. And so I was kind of against it. And I never even gave it a thought because I was so like I guess I mean ignorant but stubborn because I didn't I didn't want to try something new because I already had something going for me. Mm-hmm. You know, so the. If I would have transitioned from pest to solar, I think it would have been a big, bit harder. But I had like a soft change in between. I'm actually kind of grateful I went from pest to security to solar because I, I went to like a little bit bigger cell, a little bit more professional, and then a way bigger mm-hmm. with solar. So the, like the process for selling securities, I mean, it's not super complicated, but it's not easy like pest because you got to get a lot of personal information. And I thought that was so hard to get personal information. <laughs> Like, like on the doors like that, but in doing that, security, I just... I was going to say, it's I so just, funny looking back, right? I mean, now that you've been selling solar, that sounds silly, almost, right? Oh, I know. Like, what in the world was I doing? But it's just how you felt. It's just how you... I mean, we've all been through that transition and thinking, man, it's going to be so hard, so tough till you do it. Then all of a sudden, it's like, wait, that was easy. This is easy. Yeah. Yeah. Way easier than I thought. Way but anyways, what you're saying, so you switched over from a pest security to get the information a little bit harder. Yeah, so, I I mean, I learned a ton at, at Vivint. Like, I learned a lot of really good techniques because they're a very, very, very high-performance company that's done really well with, with door-to-door sales, but it's completely different than so, with solar, but door-to-door sales is, there's still some sort of foundation with door-to-door sales. So the thing I learned from them was, was good transitioning into um, doing a little bit bigger sell. But I just, I just had a hard time with that because I just, like, I, I, I read the book called uh, Good to Great. Huh. It's I, a, I haven't it's read a, that book. It, it, it's a business book. I, 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 I try to read a few books every few months. And, and, that, and that was a book that I read that it, it said that, like, there's, like, a, a circle of things that we need to do. And the very, like, center is that you have to have, like, they call it, like, a hedge, I think, or, like, a niche of what you really are passionate about doing. And I was just not passionate about security. I mean, it was cool. Cameras are cool, but I was just not completely like, I'm helping these people out. I'm, I mean, it was cool, but I just didn't, like, I believed in it. I saw cool things with it, but I just didn't like to sell it that mm-hmm. much. So that was a really driving factor to, to get away from it in the first place. And then this, this opportunity came up. But I, I mean, like, I love Vivint. Like, a bunch of my friends are, I mean, I still, Talk a lot of the guys that switch from test to, to Vivint with me. They actually still sell with 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 Vivint. So I, I mean, I still talk to them, but it's it's just I'm way more passionate about this than test or security. For sure. So at the end of last year, when you're wrapping up your security summer, that's when Sean started reaching out to you about Empower and Solar and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah. Um, actually, in the middle of summer, um, Sean was actually at Vivint with me, and he left. And I just thought, like, what in the world's wrong with you, dude? <laughs> I literally just looked at him like, dude, what? Why are you doing this? Not necessarily to me, but just, I mean, he's, I mean, he's doing well. He's a very, very top performer if you, when he wants to. So I thought, like, what in the world are you doing? And then at the end of the summer, actually, like in the wintertime, I was kind of in a soft spot with them. Like, it wasn't necessarily done wrong, but I just wasn't happy with the situation I was in and like almost vulnerable, you know. Mm-hmm. And then Sean just happened to reach out to me and. He kept reaching out to me, and then he happened to do it at that certain time. 
and that's when I was like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll go, I'll go, I'll, I'll go down to California for a few days just to see how it is. <laughs> so he kind of caught you in the middle of winter when you were kind of not stoked about Vivian. I remember Sean connected with you with me. Is that right? Yeah, like I don't know, was that January, February? <clears throat> yeah, sometime in the winter. We connected. And then when we connected, you were telling me, yeah, Vivint was great, but I just like I could learn more, be better, have a better sell, make more money, have more growth somewhere else. And yeah, that's exactly. when you and I started going back and forth. And we kind of talked for a couple weeks or so before you committed, if I remember right. Mm. Yeah, we talked back and forth. I think it was like two weeks. Like we had like a few FaceTime or Google Meet videos where you, you kind of like give me like a base of even like the whole industry of solar, what different companies are why this company's good, why that company's good. Um, and I just, I, I was just soaking it up. I, just, I was just liking all of it. Like it just sound like I keep looking for like a bad thing in it. Like, like there's always like a catch uh -huh. with, with good things. And I always like, always, I was always looking for, oh, there's gotta be a catch to it, but I haven't found any. Dang, I remember that experience. Like, dude, I was so impressed with you because you were such a sponge. I don't know if you remember, but I told you, I'm telling you stuff that I normally don't tell people in, during the recruiting process and getting like getting into very much detail about the company and different companies. And I remember trying to be super transparent with you, which as a recruiter, quote unquote, that's usually not always the best route to take, right? Give them every single detail, the pros and cons, the good, the bad, the ugly. But I remember telling you almost everything I knew about solar. And we had a couple multi-hour Google Hangouts calls, and I went into depth, I was writing on a whiteboard, I'm explaining things, going back and forth, and I remember being so impressed at just how much of a sponge you were, how much you wanted to learn, how much you were taking in and growing, and ever since that experience, I remember thinking, man, Den is going to do big things here. Like, if he comes, if he works hard, he'll do big things, and you have, dude. You are blowing it out of the water, and now you're on the Empower podcast. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> Like, insane to have it all come full circle. You're here now selling solar. And so I want to jump into that, and I want to hear about it. But first of all, from you, dude, how's your experience been with Empower so far? You've been with us for about six months now. I mean, at least recruited. You haven't been working for six months, but you've been recruited, talking to us in our presence for kind of six months. How's it been? Uh, it's It's been, like, the coolest, most, like, like I don't know, like the best experience I've I really like ever been in and I, like I just want to give you guys a shout out because like I've done all sorts of different door-to-door -door sales and I don't think people who, who haven't done that I just want them to know that like literally this is the best opportunity anyone can take part in like I'm not sure if you guys really recognize it or or what but it's literally the best anyone could could be in whether you're 18 or 30 years old doing door-to-door -door, this is the best I think um, so. It's been, it's been really good. It's, it's it was it was a transition at first. Um, I came out in uh, like the first of March, and I was still in school. And so, I really, I mean, I was doing school three days a week, but I was trying to set appointments. And I was doing pretty well. I mean, I I was setting four or five appointments a day, and I I don't think any of them even got closed though. <laughs> I was just pulling lots of bills and kind of chucking them to different people to see if they could get closed, and then. I was like, well, I think I can do this. So I just, I just started going to my own appointments. It was really intimidating at first, and I failed a lot, and I got trampled on a lot, and that's just normal, you know, because you, you're not super confident about 
helping people take out a big loan or make a big decision. Mm-hmm. But as I got better at it, it's just the difference between this and anything else is just all logic. Emotion comes when doing it with you, but logic is doing the like, logic goes with the product. Oh, so, so that's say that last part one more time. You said emotion comes with what? So doing this type of sell emotion comes with goes with you being the person to sign them up that's mm. where the emotion comes in yeah you being their friend you being the professional you saying you kind of answering every single question um for them being upfront, telling them every bad thing about solar every good thing about solar that's the emotional part but the logical thing to have them say yes is the product the product is is why not save a bunch of money on your on your power because you already have it but but the emotion comes to do it right now and do it with me. Totally. You're, you can kind of build so, the urgency, build the relationship, but it is just straight logical. Mm-hmm. I think that you said like so many interesting things in that segment. Um, for one, thanks for the shout out, dude. Honestly, Adam Power, we're trying our best. And I think it's really valuable you said that because a lot of our reps, they've never sold anywhere else, right? Like this is their first experience in door-to-door. This is their first company they've worked for. This is the first place they've been. And so sometimes they maybe don't realize how good or bad it could be, but how good it is to make five grand on a sale, to mm-hmm. set an appointment and how easy that is to make a couple thousand bucks, right? Mm-hmm. And so and that's cool you said that, kind of help shed some light on it for maybe some other new guys that are listening to what else is out there. I also think it's really cool and super interesting that you said this is all logic based. It's not as emotional, but there is a learning curve still. It's still hard. Yeah. And even for you, Dan, you're a fourth year door to door rep and you're very hardworking. You've been on an LDS mission. You've been out and about out of your comfort zone. And it still was a hard transition for you at the beginning. Yeah. And I think that just shows for anybody listening, like it doesn't matter who you are at first. Solar is a little tough. It's a bit of a solar coaster. But usually after your first month, you have things figured out. Would you agree with that, Dan? Yeah. Um, after the first, I mean, doing it enough, you can, once you learn, like, gain knowledge, because knowledge is power about what you're doing, experience with other customers, experience with other reps, you definitely can, it's like downhill from there. I mean, you just get better and better every single day. But yeah, it's, it was definitely a, a transition, but it's, it's, it's gotten way, way better and easier, way more fun dealing with customers and um, being able to sign a lot of people up for the solar programs. Dude, and I know that last week you were out of town. Um, you're a newlywed, right? You got married this year. Yeah, actually like a month ago. <laughs> and I know last last week you were out of town at like a family reunion for your wife. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, we've, I've been back in Idaho. My, my, my wife had a family reunion here, so she wanted me to come back. Nice. Be, so be even, part of that, so. No, that makes sense. Even back last week, but I think the week before that, you threw down eight deals in a week. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was it was seven deals and a white deal. Yeah, I mean, he just he just didn't qualify for Sunrun like a month ago, so I got him on white to, and it, and it's because he has a I don't know some trend line or something on his credit that he's got to get fixed, and so he's working on that, and he'll he'll sign up probably the first of September. Dang! So seven clean deals, one wipe, dude. As a rookie, that's insane. Do you realize that like a rookie in door door to sell seven deals in a week? And make what thirty to forty grand in commission that week. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, crazy. 
You can't do that. And you can't do that at any other place. Yeah, sure. totally. I mean, especially as a rookie, the amount of money and opportunity you have to make here is insane, and is insane across the whole industry of solar. But I'm just curious. You've been selling since what? You said April, give or take. Um. So I've been selling for 12 weeks. It's since March, since the first of March. But I've literally gone home every two weeks because I got I had to go home for a few weeks to do a bunch of wedding stuff. Then I got married. For, I was gone for two and a half weeks for the. I was gone for like a week before the wedding, and then the, the honeymoon was. I went to the Maldives, so the honeymoon took like forever. So it was like 10 days, and then I came back. I was I was back for I don't know a week and a half, and then I'm back. Dang. So when you say 12 weeks, do you mean like 12 selling weeks? Like you've actually been out there for yeah. 12 weeks? 12 weeks, yep. Wow. selling weeks. And I'm just curious if you know or if you'll share, what is your estimated commission from those 12 weeks of work? Um, like uh, all my deals closed and things? Totally. If your deals get installed and things go through, how's it looking for you? Uh, like a hundred and eighty-five. A hundred dollars in twelve yeah. weeks, dude. Holy crap! I mean, you're you're literally averaging fifteen grand a week or something. Yeah, I mean, it's getting more and more every week, but yeah, the first few weeks are probably less than that. But yeah, wow, that's insane. And what's crazy too is I want you to think about this. I want you to flash back to reality of pest control summer when you worked 16 weeks your first summer in Pest, or even your second summer, or your third summer selling Vivint, and I'm just curious, out of all three of those years working 16 weeks, what was your best year income-wise? Uh, I made like 117 or 18. My second year of doing Pest, but that was, I mean, I had a whole team of guys, and I mean, I, I did, like, not bad, like, I sold quite a bit myself, but I, it's because I had a whole team of guys. And you did 117000 that year? Uh, for, yeah, income-wise, yeah. And that was over the course of 16 weeks, or how many weeks were you selling? Yes, it was from second week or, or thir third week of April till the end of August, middle of August. But I actually actually got sick. I had to go, I uh, got sick in the middle of summer for like a whole month. I actually had to go home for 10 days back to Idaho because I was so sick. Dang. So you took a couple weeks so, off, but you were out there for like 18 weeks if it was mid-April till end of August. So let's just say 16 weeks and you made 117. It's been 12 and you're a rookie in this industry and you've been getting married in school and you're at 185,000. Yep. <laughs> like that is so crazy. And like you said, you're just getting heated up. And with solar, you get better and better and better. And everyone sees their second year, they make two to three times more in their first year. And so yeah. if you're already doing this well this year, I can't even imagine what next year will bring, too. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I mean, I want to just work to the end of the year because I just like it so much. <laughs> well, I want to jump into the nitty-gritty with you, dude, and I want to hear about your success and how you're getting this success. And I think the first thing that you had to master when you got out there is setting, right? Quality appointments, yeah. getting bills, et cetera. I'm curious, yeah. when you go knock right now, what does your pitch sound like? What is the pitch you're using? What do you say? Etc. Um, I, I mean, like I changed it up quite a bit, but I've, I just got big into watching that YouTube channel that you guys have, like with, uh, with Kaiden's pitch. I actually learned a ton when, uh, I think his name's Zach Lewis. 
was on the the Google Meets interview deal. Oh yeah, the I podcast really before this. Yeah, I really liked what he said. Um, I I just take bits and pieces of everyone's pitch and kind of put them together. <laughs> but um, also, like I want to one of my refs that came out. He's actually 18 years old. His name's Jacob Nail. Uh-huh. Super like driven kid. Like he goes to bed on time every night. He goes to the gym. He's working. It doesn't matter what happens. I got a f- bunch of funny stories about him that kind of just excels him from one level to the next. Uh-huh. And I, I've actually started using his pitch the past few weeks. And I actually, he's the reason why I was able to get eight la- uh, like last week is because he sets such good appointments now. Five of them are actually his in, in one week that week. So um, what he says is is it's really like, I mean, it's not necessarily like complicated, but goes up to the door, says, "Hey, use the the, the homeowner's name. Hey, this Miss uh, Miss Smith, perfect. I, I'm actually just here for the net metering program, and I just don't say anything. I don't know why, but if, if you say something, then it makes it so they want to get you off their porch. But if you don't say anything, they say, "Oh yeah, what's that? Or I've or I've heard about that. All of a sudden, you're having a conversation with them rather than not trying to blow up objections. Oh, okay. And so. And so they're like, oh, yeah, like I heard about that. And I just say, yeah, that's just a little meter on the side of your house. They put it in <clears throat> a few years back to just to track how much power you guys use. Do you remember when, if you got that? And they're like, oh, yeah, whatever. Real quick, I got to go look at it, and I'll be right back to, to ask you some questions. And I just walk away, and I go look at it. And most of the time, they come out to the meter <laughs> and talk to me out there rather than inside. Because like, I've been knocking some really like bigger country houses. Uh-huh. And like when I have time to knock. So that's what I do is, is like I can go talk to like someone who I actually drive up to their house and talk to them, talk to them about their net meter. I actually have a conversation with them at their meter. And that's when it really gets real to where I can actually talk to them about what, like what we're doing. Sometimes I talk about a lot about solar. Sometimes I don't. It just, I, I just try to gauge exactly what the homeowners feel. And if it, like, if, like if they bring up solar, I kind of talk about it. But if they don't, I just say I'll qualify for it few different programs and then and then i come back and build them a deck and show them what, what we got for them dang so you go so, up to the door you knock on the door and you're like hey is this the smith is miss smith and she's like yeah i am i go okay cool i'm just following the net metering program and right there that's when you wait you just wait for them yeah i i don't say anything because it, it makes them feel kind of goes with our uniform it makes them feel like we're actually supposed to be there rather than pretty salesy no for like sure to pull up on the meter yeah, and once you say that, then you're like, then she's like, oh, okay, uh, what can I help you with? Or what is that? And that's when you're like, well, this new meter they just put on a couple of years ago, I'm going to start on the program. Can I go make sure you have it? Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then I kind of just build value in it at the meter rather so, than. So they usually say, like, yeah, sure, go for it. And then you walk over to the meter. And in a perfect world, they always come with you, right? Sometimes it just depends on the homeowner whether they come out to the side of the house, or come out the garage, or they just follow me over there. Sometimes they stay back at the house, and then I go back and talk to them. And so you'll just still depends. look at it, you'll come back, and then what will you say after you get back on a traditional door? I mean, obviously, like any door to door guy knows, every door is going to be a little bit different, every pitch a little bit different. But what do you normally say to them when you come back? Um, I just kind of like I, I ask some questions like, do you, you know how like what they like, did they tell anything about it um like have you heard of net metering um, i say that or or i say do you know how exactly how much power you guys use what we do is we just help qual- homeowners qualify for certain subsidized 
cost-efficient programs to help you guys save, save a little bit of money on your power. Um, there's just three things you got to qualify for. You got to have a new net meter, which you do, and, and all of a sudden they're nodding. Um, you got to be the homeowner, which you are, right? And then I say you, you have to be in a certain range of power. And this is where, where I kind of fish for the bill. Um, as I say, do you know how many kilowatt hours you guys use, or do you know what a bill looks like for you guys in the summertime compared to the winter? And that's when they really build a lot of bill pain on themselves. They're like, wait a minute, I actually pay like 400 bucks in the, su- in the summer. Sometimes they say like, oh, it's not bad. Sometimes they say it's, oh, wow, that's, I actually pay that much. And it kind of almost gets them excited to help them save money. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, and then I'm like, yeah, I just kind of make an appointment with you to come back and show you which, which programs you, you guys can qualify for. I just got to scan it in the, in the computer real quick. Um, can you look at that for me real quick? And then it's just something like that. It just changes up all the time. For sure. And but, they come back, they give you the bill. And then that's when you go into solar, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just say, hey, have you, I, I'll, I'll scan everything, a popular program, solar. Have you ever looked into it? Is that the one of the lines you do? Um, yeah, so it just depends. Sometimes I talk about solar, sometimes I don't. Um, like, it, like if, it, 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 if they have anything negative to say about solar, I won't say anything to them on outside, like, like being outside, because th- this is kind of like a foundational thing, but we as sales reps, like we as California Real Energy or Power, we see value in 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 solar mm-hmm. but people who do not actually know about it they don't really see value in it until they see the real numbers because all they've heard is from their friends or from the news or whatever people say bad things about solar so i usually don't bring things up like that until i'm sitting down with them interesting so you're willing just to kind of gauge them and say hey i'll talk to you a little bit about it but if they are going to be negative you just leave it out and you just go back and try and solve those when you get there yeah because i our brand has done a excellent job building the sales process and it is incredible it is it, i love it every bit of it so that is what sells people solar totally and so like that's the presentation we can't sell them on their porch for sure i mean so that's the presentation that you use and you go back there and you're confident in the clothes so you're just like trying to get the usage trying to get the bill trying to get them to show up again mm-hmm. I, I almost leave them on the edge like you may qualify you may not i'm just gonna run the numbers and let you know come back for i don't know 30 minutes show you some di- different things and then some people actually bring them to the side of the house talk to them about the meter i'm usually in the house i'm usually in the house with them pulling their bill rather than on the porch and that's where a lot of rapport is built there as well mm-hmm. so yeah it just it just depends on the customer sometimes i'm there for a little bit longer talking about solar sometimes i'm not i i was puking a lot about like i was puking up a lot of information at, at, at the beginning when i was setting or self-chaining mm-hmm. and I wasn't getting very far people who could really benefit from it I just wasn't getting very far because I was trying to spit so much information at them for sure and so you're learning how to kind of take that back cut it back a little bit and just give them what they need to hear to have good appointments but not give them yeah. too much mm-hmm. and I think that's every like reps goal and that's every rep struggle at the beginning is that you want to give out so much information so much stuff and they start closing and they start realizing, wow, I don't need to tell them all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I can cut it back a little bit. And that's why I always say you don't really learn how to set till you learn how to close because that's when you learn the amount of information that they actually need to hear. Yeah, exactly. And so if someone gives you their bill, you take it, do you do a same day or the next day? Is that what you usually try and schedule or how do you handle your scheduling process? Yeah, I, I, I try really hard to get it this not a lot of the same day, but 
like like if I have appointments in the evening time or in the afternoon, I don't usually do it the same day because I usually have appointments for my setters that I have. Mm-hmm. But I usually try to set it the next day or as soon as possible because that's when it's fresh on their mind. For sure. So they don't forget about it. So you make sure it's either the next day, usually the next day if possible. And mm-hmm. something I love about you, Denton, that you just said is you have setters, but you still knock often. Yeah. I mean, one thing I know about you is you're a hard worker, but a lot of closers, once they get a couple setters, they can kind of take it easy or not get out there. And you're one of those guys that even if you have appointments all evening, you're still going to go out in the middle of the day if you have time and knock more doors and try and fill your schedule the next day. Yeah, I have to because if, like, if I'm expecting my guys to do it, I should be doing it as well. Because if I'm not doing it, then I feel bad to make them do it. For and sure. That's an, I mean, the leaders always have to lead, right, rather than just – um, let their guys do it all and they just kind of be out there to kind of be the face of it. Leaders should always ex- do what they're expecting other guys to do. So, yeah, I always try to stay busy every second during the day, whether I knock for an hour, 30 minutes, or three hours. So I have a kind of three hours. I always try to for sure some sort of knocking as well. For sure, which I think is so valuable and teaches your guys a lot. And then if you get the bill, you do the same day next day, if we talked about usually the next day because your appointments are already booked the same day. But Mm -hmm. if they don't give you a bill, do you do follow-ups or how's your follow-up process? I I don't know. I just, I get so frustrated doing follow-up because they don't usually go through. I mean, Jake, when you came out and talked about the 80-20, top three things, that's gonna be the 80% of your production and it's true. I've wasted so much time driving to people that I said I'll come back to or I'll, or I'll go get their bill again. Mm-hmm. You have a better chance of going to a fresh door and getting a bill rather than going to that person three totally. times. And you waste twi- twice as much. So that's what I, I mean, I, I've kind of gone away from following up all the time. If I can't help you now, I, you're, you're, like, my time is more valuable than that. Like, I, I can be more productive somewhere else rather than trying to come back 10 times to get your information. For sure, especially when it comes to pulling a bill. It's one thing maybe if it's a close or you have something on the edge yeah. or whatever, but I think that's huge in pulling a bill. I'm glad you remember my trainings, dude. I'm glad they didn't just go right over your head. Oh, yeah, dude, I remember, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I agree with you. I think that if you don't get a bill on the door the first time, it's probably not worth it unless you're going to go back on that same street. You're already there 15 minutes later kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. like if you're going to be there anyway, yeah, go try, but it's not worth driving. 20 minutes away or 15 minutes away out of the way to or even to, across town for sure to get the, the bill for sure so you pretty much just go and then when you go back for the appointment jumping into closing how does that usually go for you like what's your your step-by-step process if i was brand new and i'd never closed the deal imagine i wasn't the guy that recruited you how some brand new rep that you're trying to train and just say, like, hey, it's going to go kind of like this. I'm going to walk in, do this for 15 minutes, do this for 10 minutes, talk about this for 15 minutes. What's kind of your step-by-step process when it comes to closing deals? Um, it's That's kind of evolved as well. The very first thing is um, whether I'm setting the appointment or my, my guys setting appointments for me, It's each one learns from step one to, to set a good appointment, like pulling a bill to setting a good appointment. The expectation is all, all of it. Um, the first thing is like the expectation on that is, is if I go into the appointment and they have the expectations that I tell my setters to do or, or I do, then the appointment goes way better or they actually come to the door, mm-hmm. you know, but so like 
the expectation is like, yeah, he's going to come and sit down with you and show you. Jake, um, Jacob and a few other guys, they actually show a picture of me oh, to, nice. the, uh, to the customer. They, he, he actually has a picture of me and my wife, and they all they all think my wife's the prettiest thing in the, in the world, which she is. <laughs> um, but he, 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 Jacob builds value in me first, and then and then he goes on to talking about solar and like building rapport after that. So, of course, making the appointment solid, saying the expectation of what we're going to do. And then what I've been helping them do is when we come back, I actually learned some mana. Um, we, Sean and I called mana, I don't know, a few months ago. And he said, we're just the numbers, guys. Just have pages one and three ready on, on, on your PG&E bill. And then usually when I get there, they have their PG&E bill ready for me to look at and show them some stuff on it. And then that's when the best appointments happen is when they build expectations about the time, who I am, and what how it's going to go down, then the appointments go way better with that. So when I get there, it all just depends. Um, I, I also help my setters get a little bit of information about them, who they are, what their hobbies are. And then I, and I go up to the door and be like, oh, yeah, you must be Jim. You're the firefighter, whatever, kind of just talk to them a little bit. And then at first I was, I was, this is a little bit harder. I, I wouldn't necessarily do this a lot, but sometimes people just won't let you in their house um, as the closer. So you build a little bit of rapport and you say, I need to look at three things first. So I, I need to go look at your outside panel or your main panel. Do you know where that is? And then we go into their garage and look at their little switches, their, like their little uh, breakers. Do I need to look at that? No, but it just <laughs> kind of shows like how legit I am. Like I actually know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, you need a hundred amp or mm-hmm. 200 amp breaker to, to get solar i'm kind of qualifying them kind of warming up solar to them in this whole process and i say oh yeah so jacob makes sure that you have the net meter which you do can we go look at that real quick and look at that take it it's literally like two seconds kind of teaching a little bit about that and i show them and i need to look at your roof did you get a new roof recently or anything and that's when we'll that that's when a little bit of like almost warm solar comes in is when i like when i bring up the roof talk about power that's when they're like I haven't puked solar on them, but it's a little bit warmer. And then I transition to the house. Say, so, do you have a place we can sit down? I I just did a bunch of research and I and I got a few different prices for you to show you like a few different programs. And I was and I I, I was actually pretty successful finding like thirty percent off your power bill. And I had to go inside. Dude, there was like ten things you said during that that I was like, wow, that's so smart or that's a good idea where everyone should do that. And I kept trying not to interrupt you because you're giving such good stuff there. I think that was really valuable. I mean, from a setter to a closer to a closer trying to train a setter, it doesn't really matter who you are. That was some really good stuff. And one thing I love that you said is, first of all, you gave a lot of credit to your setters. And you said they set great appointments. And whenever I try and set, I try and set great appointments. And they talk about you and that you're married and that they show you a picture of you to make like. Make it seem like you're a normal guy, stuff like that. And then when you go back, you really use those notes at the beginning. And if you're having a hard time getting in, that's when you start using things like, hey, I should check at your panel real fast, look at your roof, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But if they just let you ride in, then you just walk in, you don't do any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like sometimes I just build a pool on the porch and walk right in. Totally. Sometimes. The majority of the time now, like I can get around it now, I don't necessarily need to use that process to get in the house. Sometimes I can't get in the house, so I, that's like my fallback plan to talk about that. And then it's a little bit more warm and I can get in the house. So it just depends. So that's just a kind of a tip that you use if you can't get in or if you're having a hard time getting into the house. Then you start going to other things, being more of a numbers guy, meter reader guy. But mm-hmm. if you can get in, you just jump right in and 
start building rapport inside. Yeah, so I love what Brandon says about, I'm not even sure what the four things are, but like recreation, family, job, and what's the other one? Um, Hobbies. I hobbies, that's right. I always talk about those. Like, like this lady the other day, she was so, like she was kind of skittish at first, like standoffish at first. And I went up to one of her pictures in her house and it was her granddaughter or something. She's in the divorce. And she did not want me to leave. Like just because I went up and talked about her family, went up and asked about a picture in their house. They love their family. They love their job. They love their house. You might as well talk about what they love. And so we talked about that for a little bit. Um, build a lot of rapport, get some laughs in. Um, and then I don't like to waste time in there. So I, like, I like that, like they're in the conversation, like I'm caring about them, but I'm also keeping track of how I'm going to transition into getting to my, to my presentation, mm-hmm. I guess. So I don't like, sometimes I sat there for like an hour and wasted so much time and yeah, they like some of them sign up, but I can bring it way down by just being more aware of what time it is, how much time I'm spending. And then I, I, like I'm thinking of transitions to talk about them, but also talk about, yeah, do you have that PG E bill? Can, can we take a look at it real quick? And we sit on the table and start looking at it. Dang. So you use all those things. So you're a big fan of rapport. Like you really believe in building rapport. Yeah. yeah. Like one of my customers, they, <laughs> it was a cool situation. That, that's another reason why I love this is the customers are, they love you because you're, you're helping them out so much. This family, um, the dad, he's, he's like, he's like 65 and he's, he's dying. Like he's got kidney failure. He had his own business and he had a heart attack and he's just crumpling up in a little ball. Wow. And so I signed him up. They were so excited to get it. And then he called me one day. He's like, Denton, I reached out to another solar company and their, their, their price is half of yours. Same wow. amount of panels, all this stuff. And I'm just like, Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Um, but they trusted me enough to do a little bit of research and actually get their, like they sent me their proposal uh-huh. from the other company and I broke it down. It wasn't what they thought. Yeah. Ours is still a little bit more than theirs. But say like I, I think mine was like forty one thousand, and theirs is twenty one thousand. So, so it was more. But once you actually broke into it, it actually wasn't what they thought it was. No, it, it was the cash price. It was way smaller system. They had no idea what they were doing. It was just way worse technology. They were just doing like the base base stuff. Not, I mean, it was like a single inverter, things like that. Fourteen panels instead of twenty one panels. So things like that. So even though it was twenty one. 21,000 like I like our cash price was like 30,000 or something so we were $10,000 more but they, it was a no-brainer they they're still getting installed dang and that's all from the report and the connection like that guy yeah. trusted you enough to call you and talk through it with you yeah rather than just ignoring me so that's that's where the report is really like important is because if, if like it if a concern comes up and they don't like you enough to go through you here's another person then they just cannot they'll just stop talking to you and go with someone else or they'll just ignore you or say you want to cancel and he didn't say you want to cancel and so i just kind of did my due diligence and went to his house again and fixed the situation yeah we were way more expensive but he was really excited that we were still doing business dang yeah no i think that that's honestly so valuable and it shows a lot about who you are they trust you etc and so when you get in a house and you build a rapport after you get done building rapport how do you transition from the rapport part into your deck um so i i I love the deck it's it's awesome it teaches it kind of gives me a foundation of what to say i'm gonna get like almost like 
okay, what do I say next? I'll just go to the next slide. Uh-huh. But how, how a transition is when I'm sitting down, I really try to make it personal to them. So I actually get their PG&E bill out and I show them stuff on the, on their PG&E bill. I'll talk, talk about that in a second, but I, I carry around little, um, I don't know, five by eight cards. Uh-huh. And I use these to write stuff out. Like the reason is because my grandpa, he's very, he's very wealthy, successful. He was a, a CFO of a Fortune 500 company in New York. Very, very, very smart. Doesn't sign up for anything easy. <laughs> and I was on a, I, I was on a vacation with them in Branson. Branson's like a place where like, it's like uh, old people. Sorry, I got. Sorry, I did not mean it that way. <laughs> people who, who, who like shows from like like Johnny Cash or. Dude, you like can say how it is. Music. You can say old people. That's fine. Everyone listens young. <laughs> yeah. So. I went there with them one day and my grandpa sat down with this guy who does like the, um, what are they called? Like timeshares. I think you remember with those timeshares. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. They're trying to sell them a timeshare like, there. Yeah. So my grandpa got like a free week, 500 bucks. If, if he's going to sit down with this timeshare guy. Wow. My grandpa was down. pretty like, yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, this is going to be good. So he sat down and the guy, he, I mean, he was actually pretty impressive and I learned a lot from him as well. He had these little cars and he wrote every single thing out on these little cards so they could understand it. I mean, he would walk away, let, like in small things, let them talk about it in the meantime. But it was like an hour and a half, and he had my grandpa, very, very, like, one of the people I look, to, I look up to the most my whole life. He made him spend like 30 grand on this timeshare in like an hour and a half. Oh my gosh, and he didn't even want it at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. And so... I, I kind of use that technique to where I, like, I get these little note cards out and I ask them a few questions. I, I say, okay, so what do you guys think you use a lot of electricity? And just to get, get a little bit of overview, they don't, you, don't need, you don't need to know this, really. But it, it's the sales process that works. And so I say, oh yeah, the AC, I don't know, the, the fridge, the TV, give a pool, a jacuzzi, all the stuff. And I, like, and, I, and I say, okay, what about gas? And I write down things about gas, dryer, stove, things like that. I don't really need to know that information, but for some reason, if I skip that step, I struggle to get them to sign up. And wow. so from that, from that, I, I, I do this. Okay. I, I, I get a little, I get that little piece of paper and I write like a graph on it, like an, like an L graph. Like I write, I write an L and actually, I actually learned this on YouTube a few weeks <laughs> ago. Like, a, like, right. I don't know, like back in April and I, and I write on the, on the, on the one going up. I, like a, I make a little mark right there. I say, okay, so you did, this is your average bill. Say your average bill is $300, okay? And I put $300 right there. I say, okay, your PG&E bill or, or your Edison bill, your power bill goes up 8% every year. And I, and I make a mark going up every year. And then I, I say, okay, so what we do is we help people get something we help people We help people get on something called a fixed cost. And so I write a, a line straight out and down to where in five years, which as a homeowner, which one would you want to, I don't know, use PG and E or fixed costs. And they think about it like, okay, that actually makes sense to where even, even if I pay the same now in five years, I'll, I'll be paying 350 or 400 in, in the time I could still be paying 300. So you show them this at the very beginning, like this is before anything has been talked about, decks opened. Is that at the end of your report? So you get in there, you talk about their family and their life and their job and, you know, like the form, the 
the family, occupation, recreation, so on and so forth. And then mm -hmm. after that, that's when you pull out your note card and kind of the transition between building report and jumping into the deck is this note card. Yeah. <clears throat> wow, okay. There's a note card. And that's when you talk about, all right, I need to know you guys better. Tell me about your usage. Tell me about your electricity. Tell me about your habits. Tell me about your house, etc. Mm -hmm. And then that helps you say, and then you start showing them that graph with the L graph and just say, hey, it goes up or it can stay fixed. Which one sounds better to you in five years? Yeah. Even if they're probably stay the same. And, I, and and that's just like another, I mean, butter on top. And you say, actually, in California, it actually drops your price about in half and stays fixed and goes down. Do you save that little bit about, like, California? And then you say, hey, which one would you rather have? And they tell you. And then you're like, yeah, I think so, too. Let me explain to you how that works. And then jump into the deck. Yeah, so there's actually another step that I do. So I do explain that actually California actually goes down. Because people, if they have a head on their shoulders, they know a little bit about solar. Because people don't just stick those goofy-looking things on the, on the top of their house for fun. Mm -hmm. It's a financial thing. Mm -hmm. you, like, if you go look in every single rich neighborhood in California, every single person has solar. Totally. Everyone's smart knows it's a good thing to do. Yeah, yeah. So if, if you can relay that to people and show them, like, okay, this is a logical thing to do that by getting a fixed cost, what I can do is I actually did a lot of research for you and actually got it way down to where you don't have that $300 power bill anymore. We completely get rid of your $300 power bill and get it down to, like, 200 or, or 220 or 150 depending on their sun hours or whatever. And then what I do is I actually get their PG&E bill. This is, I don't know if this is like good or not, but I actually <laughs> get their PG&E bill and I go and circle things on it that just kind of make people cringe because they don't know about it. People get it online now. They don't even read their power bill. Uh -huh. If you look on their power bill, it shows them delivery fees. Uh -huh. I, I get on there and I circle the delivery fees. They're charging you 40 bucks a month for power and 90 bucks to deliver it to you. I actually circle that to have them realize like, what in the freak? And so they, they realize that that's building bill pain into them to where when I, like, like when I present solar, they're just like so sold on it. They're like, okay, we're doing it. And this is all so, before you even present anything. Yep. Right? I mean, yep. you're, you're talking about like, hey, if, if I can get you help out with solar, they'll stay fixed, yada, yada, yada. And then you'll you also say, look, here's some of the bad points on your bill. Here's some things you need to be aware of that you're paying every single month. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't say anything negative about PG&E because they're great. I mean... I mean, I guess the like, who you're talking to, like, you think they're great, but they have to do it. They can do it. They have a monopoly. I, I build value in the rate hikes. Brandon Bailey, that's another person that taught me, is you got to build value in rate hikes. That's the biggest thing. you got to build value, and PG&E is going to go up every single year. It doesn't matter what you do. You can call and complain, whatever, they're going to go up. Mm -hmm. So I build value in rate hikes with that little card and with their, um, their PG&E bill. And I actually go on, like, the tier program on their bill, and I show them, okay, so you're actually getting charged – 26 cents a watt and 32 cents a watt and then what i do is i say okay what's the like what do you think the national average is or what do you think everyone else in the whole united states pays for power and i say like 10 cents or 12 cents they're just like what and but but they recognize it they see that on their own power bill because like if i were to just tell them that there's no credibility but if i actually show them on their pg e bill they're just like oh wow this is insane Dang. So you show them all that stuff, talk about the rate hikes, everything, circle the delivery charges, et cetera. And then you're like, all right, now let's jump into your actual numbers and show mm -hmm. you stuff. Yep. And this is like my whole process. Sometimes I skip some steps depending on the situation because some people are like, so they're like 75 and they understand a little bit more about it. They don't care about certain steps. I uh -huh. can, I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm getting better at gauging, okay, this person doesn't really need that. 
or this person's not going to understand that. And some people don't. They don't understand rate hikes, so they don't understand um, why their PG&E bill is so high. They just kind of deal with it. Like if someone worked for someone else, they don't care about things like that. They just pay their bills. For sure. It's just how it's just how it works. Like if they're not going to be responsible about things like that, then they just pay their bills and whatever. They're just taking it for what they are. So you've got to know your audience and figure out what you want to say to who. Yeah, yeah. Say like I'm talking to like a business owner. I, I approach it a little bit different. Or I talk to someone who's in their younger, just learning about themselves and about um, finances. Like this, and- yeah, like this family I signed up the other day, they just really lived in their house a few months ago, and they're very, like, self-taught. One was, like, a contractor. One was a – I think she worked at a bank or something. But they were very knowledgeable about things I was saying, so I was able to answer a little bit more deeper questions for them with the presentation. That, But the deck is kind of like the grand finale, like at a fireworks show. That's kind of like, okay, this is what your numbers are, and this is why solar is really good, and this is what people hate about solar. And this is what your numbers are for the PPA, the purchase, whether to Pace or Sonoma or Sunrun or Power or whatever. So that's the, that's when it that's when I transition into the deck is when they ask, wait, so how do I get that fixed cost? Perfect. Let me show you. Let me show you the stuff I did for you. And I really this is kind of bad too, but I really help them understand. That I actually did a lot for them. Yeah. Pe- pe- people like that. People like to be cared about. People like to know that you did a lot of research for them. They they know that they want to know that you actually did a lot for them and that, that helps them become more invested in it. Dang, dude, this is so much good stuff. Guys, if you're wondering how Denton's closed eight deals in a week, this is how. This is the stuff you have to learn and have to adapt to and adjust to. And everyone kind of gets their niche, everyone kind of figures it out. And for you, Denton, you've been there for 12 weeks. Would you say like week six to seven? Is that when you kind of figure things out like this? Yeah. Um, it, it's just been a little bit, I mean, kind of a process because the first few weeks I was setting, I mean, I closed my first deal like week two or something. Uh-huh. Actually, like, actually, I think the next Monday or of week week two, I closed my first deal. It was actually pay still, hardest deal I've ever done. First deal, but. <laughs> Classic, always how it goes. Super good client. I, he actually texts me all the time, retired vet, but he, uh, that, that second week, I closed it, but I had no idea what I was doing. And then from week two to week, I don't know, like four, five-ish, and being out here, I told myself I need to do three every week. That week I did one. I, I just tell myself every week that I need to be a three-count a week rep. I have to be. If I put something in my mind, I have to do it. And all of a sudden, I'm doing it without even thinking about it. Dang, but, I, I remember you called me once. I think you. I think it was you. You called me once and you asked me about how many per week you should do. Do you remember that? Yeah. You were like, hey, what kind of expectations should I set? What should I do? And I told you, like, all right, that's what I'll do. Every week, yeah. like no questions asked. It wasn't a, it wasn't a question mark like will I do it or can I do it. It was just one of those things that you said, "What do you want me to do?" and I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And you've been That's doing like a that. subconscious thing. Is 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 if I get told something, I just like I'm like I'm uncomfortable until I get that. Yeah, and I think that's what's so cool about you. I think that's what separates like great reps from good reps is. They say what they like. They they do what they say they're gonna do, and they rise expectations. They learn the stuff. They study it, and they don't stop. They're not okay with being average, and they're not okay falling short on their goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we all can do it. It's just who's gonna keep pushing themselves, keep doing it. Also, by the way, sorry if it's hard to hear sometimes. We got some sort of construction going on outside our building, so it's kind of loud sometimes. Oh, um, it's okay. But anyways, I think that's so, so helpful. And then you jump into the deck, you go through it all, 
I'm sure that's pretty self-explanatory. You're using the same deck everybody else is, right? Yep, yep. I talk about the rate hikes. I talk about why why PG&E going up. I talk about I bring up bad things about solar. I I mean, I, like I transition into like this is your price. This is what your new, like what your new price could be. Um, I talk about the little graphs where this is your power. This is how much power your your, your system is going to produce plus this on top of that. And then I talk about um, the different. I actually do spend a lot of time on the options mm-hmm. tab where it says like Empower or Sunrun or Tesla or Vivint or Sonova or whoever. I actually build a lot of value in those because I want me to be working with them. I'm going to go to these companies and help them get them mm-hmm. rather than why should I work with you? It's I'm going to work with you and we're going to choose which one of these companies it is. So I just help them understand the benefits and like pros and cons of each of the each one one has a rate hike one has an increase one doesn't 25 year warranty um transferable things like that and i do a little bit of value in that and then i go into each one and in that time like on that slide i I say so okay which one are you more interested are you are you more interested in like the purchase or the or the ppa and that's when they really i really believe in question-based selling because if i can ask questions and they answer them they're signing up like if 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 you are getting them to ask questions and sell themselves on that's the best way is people want to be they want to buy and not not be sold and so if, if i can ask them questions throughout the, the presentation they're buying without even knowing it they're they're investing their time into this and so they're going to sign up and do it totally dude it's funny i'm the same way i love questions i know if i'm asking questions and they're answering they're going to buy i know if i don't ask questions or they're not answering them they won't yeah. like it's usually that you can simple. gauge that I think there's been you, go for it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say I think there's only been one appointment in my whole life I ever closed that I was surprised at the end. Like I didn't know okay. they were gonna sign up because that one appointment for some reason just stone cold customers. Like wouldn't talk to me, wouldn't answer my question, just weren't into it. And then at the end of it, I'm like, all right, what do you guys think? Like, yeah, let's do it. And my jaw hit the floor, <laughs> right? But usually it's not like that. I mean, I'm sure you agree. Usually you can tell exactly who's going to sign up and who's not going to sign up uh-huh. throughout the presentation exactly. because of those questions, right? Yeah. And, 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 and you can feel it. You can feel it, like, with the vibe they're giving off. I mean, if I go in there and I kind of question myself, like, are they going to sign up? Do I feel intimidated by them? They, they can sense that. And they, they'll run away fast or they'll, or they'll try and kick you out fast. For sure. But if you... If you go in there with like, I'm, I'm, I'm signing these people up. I'm doing it. No matter what it takes, I'm going to overcome every single one of their issues. I'm going to chuck all my arrows at them, and I'm going to overcome every single one of their objections and get them to sign up right now. Like, if you go with that, then they'll do it. Dang. That is so, such good advice. Everything you said, Dan, has been on the money, honestly. Like, if it's almost like if I could have given you a, a pitch or something like that to give this whole time, you're doing exactly what I was hoping you'd say. And at the end of your presentation, when you're going through everything, that's when it gets to docs, right? Yes. And how is the doc process for you? Is it easy? Is it hard? How do you bring that up at the end? Um, so there's, it's, it's, it's kind of a process. So I'm saying things in my presentation to help them know that they're signing up with it. So like, with, with, like they're not signing docs until they're signing up. Like I don't even say like here look like let's like let's get you qualified i do say that a little bit in the middle of it but it, like if they sign docs they're, they're getting it like 
it's it's no brain that they're getting it. So right before I sign docs, I go through the different questions, like on the slide where it says, so these are the most common questions. What happens if I move? What's the warranty? What do I have to do? And then um, like, what's the next step? Or why wouldn't I go solar? Um, I, I can go over the warranty a little bit. I, I go over um, that, that is transferable. And then I talk about what they have to do. And this is a one-liner that works a lot. For me, as I say, and a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of people ask, oh, what do I have to do? And I say, you just have to become my friend for two months. <laughs> and they just laugh. And they're just like, oh, cool, whatever. And so I build up rapport there. And then I say, at this time, why, why wouldn't you go solar? And I just don't say anything. That's, that's when they're like, oh, that's when they puke their objection or they say, oh, yeah, let's, let's do this right now. And then if, if, if I can't get them to say yes right there, I go into the process slide. So, so this whole slide is about eight weeks. We got to get you approved. We got to get the site, in, like the site survey, the inspection, the permits. And this, this takes about eight weeks, but I'm the one being the squeaky wheel to the solar companies, the finance, to, to the city. I'm the one that's going to make it happen. I want to I wanna build value in me doing it for them with that for sure and then i say oh, what do you think should we get you qualified and, and if they say yes i actually turn that three by five card over and i write five or six things down on it like their name phone number email date of birth annual income work phone things like that do i need to know that on a piece of paper no but if they sign that piece of paper like if they fill that out that's another thing that they did to invest to get signed up if they just gave you all that so, info Yep. Yep. And then also in our region, we had a little bit of um, a little bit of a hard time getting the exact emails, everything into Enium, Jobflow, and within Power all the same. Mm-hmm. It's because we're we're asking them ten times. Okay, what's your email? What's your phone number? Because think about it. Like if you go through Enium, like if you go through Sunrun or Jobflow, you have to ask them twice for their email. For sure. Let them let them write it down for you and just say, yeah, I want you to write this down for me real quick. Just so I have to ask you ten times for it. And then I give them to fill it out. And that's when I start building the system on Jobflow. I, I get my email, my uh, my NEM dock up. I get my Wi-Fi connected. That's kind of like a break. They're doing one thing. I'm doing my thing. It's kind of a little bit of a less, like a sh- off, like not as high stress. Yeah, thing. no so one's talking. It out. Everyone's doing their own yeah. thing. Totally. Yeah. But in the meantime, I'm still like asking them questions. Like, oh, so how many kids you have? Or this. And so what do you guys do for fun? Or while they're doing that, like if you're still building dopamine in their brain, they'll sign up. Like, like if they feel really happy while they're signing, like signing the, the card, then they're still really excited to sign up through the whole process. Like if you're making them feel good about themselves. Dang, and that's but, how you get the ball rolling. Then we're yep. coming close to an end of our time. We've already had you on here for an hour and six minutes. We're actually above our time. The usual Uh-oh. podcast is only an hour, but I just kind of let it roll because you've had so many good insights and taught us so much stuff. One last question I want to ask you, dude, is when it comes to the doors or in the home or whatever it is, kind of some selling techniques. At our company, we don't really push on those a lot, and we don't really teach people things like Phil Felt Found or Aces or you know whatever you want to say or three yeses, but just because it's so logical. You don't need all those, I don't want to say gimmicks, yeah. but like all those things, but I still think they're helpful. I'm curious for you, with your previous three years in door to door working at different companies, what are a few little sales ti- like tricks or t- uh, tips that you use that you think are helpful on the doors or in the home? Um, 
That's actually a good question. Is is people want what they cannot have? Everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants the girl they cannot have. Everyone wants the the, the, the pickup they cannot have. Everyone wants the car they cannot that they cannot have. Everyone wants what they can't what they can't have. And everyone wants what their friend has as well. Everyone wants what everyone else has. And if there's only a certain amount of it, then they want it even more. So those are really big things I learned from Lenny Gray from Pest is there's only a certain amount. Don't like I don't really push that, but but there's also everyone else is doing it too. So those are two big things. Is like limited time, limited amount, limited like bandwagon effect. Mm-hmm. Those three. Mm-hmm. And then one thing I learned at Vivint really well is you are signing them up, not even with them saying yes. And so you have to get personal information without them even saying they're signing up. And so there's certain techniques like if you ask for a social security number, you just look down. So go over all their information. Say, oh. oh What's like? What's the last word? Your social? What or what's your social? And do not look them in the face. Look down, because they don't want confrontation. They want to just know that you're professional. They, they want to know that you've done it a million times. Then there's zero hiccup. I don't get any hiccup of giving out social, giving any of that, because I just look down and they just say it. For sure. Stuff like that. Kind of takes the pressure off. Or yeah. Or Phil felt found really good. Is I use it. I guess without even realizing it. Like I use it to overcome their objections because. You can use that one more. I can't lie to people. Like I can't say, oh, so I felt this. And I have to actually have, have an experience to tell them a story of what this person felt, what we found. This is what we can do. So now that I've done a lot more deals, I can say, okay, this is what this person felt. This is what they found. And this is what we did. Mm-hmm. So I do it with stories, felt, felt, found. Another one is sweet, sour, sweet. If you got to say something sour, sandwich it with the two things that are sweet talk about price slap it on with something sweet about the warranty or don't stop at that go on the next thing sweet sour sweet because if they dwell on that thing that they just asked they're really not concerned about it sometimes they are but they just want to test you to see if you're confident in it for sure so that's what i do is sweet sour sweet and then um building rapport is huge it it, it, if you guys want to learn about rapport go 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 look up uh, Tony Robbins' building rapport. He, this is crazy, but we we build we build rapport subconsciously by our body language, by our tones, by our actions, by the way we talk. Um, I mean, you guys can even call me anytime because I I love the art of sales. It's like I've done enough different sales where some things are better with others, but those are some like like I love talking about basic basic forms of sales, and I like I take them for granted, and so I don't. Like, I just feel like my reps should already know them, but then I have to go back and teach them because I know them, but they don't know them as well. And so it's it's been really fun to actually break them down individually and kind of teach them, okay, this is what works, this is what doesn't. Um, but I guess that can answer your question. There's a few basic tips that I use. That answered perfectly. Honestly, everything you said has been right in the money. Denton, I mean, just to kind of wrap things up, some of my favorite things about you are that you are you're so knowledgeable and you're so good at this job and good at sales and well-rounded but you're also so humble i mean you've sent me some of the nicest messages that anyone sent me about my leadership or who i am and it's amazing to hear that from someone that's also so good at the same time and so that's just so cool about you that you are so good but you're also so humble and i'm really grateful to have you at the company man i'm grateful we had you on the podcast today thanks jake it's been it's been awesome i've I, I literally feel like 
this kind of cliche, but I, I literally feel so blessed. I, I literally got rid of everything else in my mind, every other opportunity besides this one, because this is like I've done enough of them that I just this is the best opportunity anyone can have with Jacob Brandon. Brandon is the man. There's never ever been someone that has the same intentions as Brandon as any other sales company. Dang, dude. Well, Jake. Well, I appreciate so. that. We appreciate you. Like, honestly, you always amaze me, and I learn a lot from you, dude. And it's cool to see you all in. I know you were shopping like crazy. You have shopped like crazy the last couple of years, looking at different places, and, and now you're here. You found a home, and you're stoked about it, and we're stoked to have you this winter. I expect some serious snowmobiling to happen with you and I. Done. Lots Stay of hanging right. out, snowmobiling, a little bit of time off. But for the meantime, dude, keep it up. Okay. That's one thing I'll drop everything for is <laughs> All right. Let's do it. We'll plan something. But for Stay. the meantime, keep working hard. Denton, thank you so much for being on the Empower podcast. Okay. Thanks, Jake. And, and anyone, feel free to, to reach out. And I'm always willing to talk. Sounds well, good. So. For once in a lifetime. You need to never stop improving. The constant focus on individual growth. How will you be financially free? Welcome to the Empower Podcast.